The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. It's Success Happens on 930 WFMD, blending business and politics. Success Happens with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning and welcome to Success Happens. It's great to be here with you guys today. And I am um, really excited, actually. This is a wonderful time for me to have with me once again, a little later in the program, my father, who's going to share some information and updates on election integrity. So stay tuned for that. But I wanted to start with looking at a, I think, what we can safely say is going to be a global crisis, likely, around uh, food and uh, food supply. You know, the cha- the supply chain we know has been compromised for a while now because of our dependency on China. And um, you might say that COVID intersected with the global markets and um, interject it injected itself into economies so that now what we're dealing with is the aftermath of that, which is the supply chain issues. And um, when you start to look at it from multiple facets, we often say today we're not dealing in three dimensions. We're dealing in about five. But when you look at things like the ports shut down in Shanghai and um, L.A., uh, Long Beach can't unload the trucks fast enough and or uh, ships fast enough and load them on trucks to get them out across the country. And then you hear about the food supply distribution centers that have been destroyed. It just isn't what we call a coinkydink. You know, it starts to add up to, okay, either either uh, there's a group of bad actors who have a plan that they're implementing to shut down access to the very basic needs that we have, the f- food and water, um, or, or it's just a huge coincidence, or, or maybe, I don't know, you know, it's the universe, you know, kicking in. Who knows? But I think we need to start paying attention to that, that global view in, in these different dimensionalities that we're looking at to understand the, the, what's going on. Because it's going to come to your doorstep. We already know that the cost of goods is going up skyrocketing. We're going to hear today why. There's a guy named Monkey Works. It's a program. It's on YouTube. Many of us watch and listen to him because he's tracking air traffic, satellites, volcanoes, ships. He is looking at the actual data and movement of these ships and so forth so that we can understand what's going on globally. So I took the opportunity. I do not have his permission to play this, but I think it will be fine because it's a public piece of information. And uh, and he's really great. So Monkey, W-E-R-X-S on YouTube. We're going to start with listening to uh, some content for a week, week and a half ago where he started talking about this supply chain more specifically what's going on right now and um, and then I'm going to share with you today's or most recently yesterday's updates so you can start to see what's happening in these supply chains. Okay, here we go. If we look at the air refuelers that are up, we'll look at this a little closer here in just a minute, but 
Florida is kind of hopping. I don't know. Uh, we've had a little flurry of activity this morning over Florida and then up on the northeast. Okay, so the first thing actually I'm going to share with you is something that um, is actually not supply chain. Forgive me. We're going to talk about the Florida air traffic because there's some fighter uh He's thinking there's some fighter planes up in the air, and they're doing a lot of refueling and so forth. So there's something amiss over Florida, and I wanted to play this for you first. My apologies. Uh, As well. So let me uh, do this. I'm going to hop over here to ADSB Exchange just for a second because that was what I was looking at up until this minute. Um, And then we'll jump back into this real fast. But uh, let me minimize this, and let's get over here. Now, Florida, the reason I'm pointing this out is because – these refuelers are out here. I mean, this is kind of some bad weather. Typically don't see the refuelers out uh, doing that kind of stuff unless uh, there's some activity going on. So it is very possible um, that uh, we've got uh, some fighters out over this area, too. Could be a reason for that, right? But these guys seem to be all rolling into uh, – I mean, these guys are right on top of each other. You can see – running this little circle out here over Orlando. So Florida seems to have some some air refueling activity going on. This is a refueler. Both of these are. And like I said, typically when you see that, that is an indication that there are fighters out in that area uh, because we don't see them, right? Um, and then this one I thought was interesting. This is a no-call sign. It, uh, uh, one of these caught my eye. It was, it was a call sign I had not seen before. It said empty. <laughs> So I think it was this guy here, empty, no call sign. Uh, but anyway, they were all together. They've all been out kind of in this general area, so that would indicate we probably do have some fighters out over the east coast of Florida. Don't know if that is Trump-related, um, but uh, just a data point as we watch these things, okay? All right, now back over here to Skyglass real fast. I want to take a look at um, the watch list. Let me make sure I've got uh, – so currently up over the U.S., we've got – couple E6s, those are airborne command centers they call TACOMOs. Uh, and then we've got the R135s, as you can see, uh, the E6 there zooming in, a couple P3s. Um, but the electronic suite is kind of busy this morning out over the center of the U.S., right? So uh, there's one of your E6s right there. And uh, this is your other E6 right out here. It looked like it took off out of uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, normally don't see them coming out of there, so... Uh, they both seem to be headed s- kind of southeast in terms of their trajectory. So, I don't know, something happening over Florida. We'll have to keep an eye on it. Like I said, don't know for sure, but uh, that's just uh, what I'm what I'm seeing here. It's kind of catching my eye. So, let's hop over real fast. I want to show you, we're going to kind of start to transition through our board here. I want to show you what the volcanoes looked like yesterday. Uh, there were... So what we're trying to show you, and this is a little bit difficult because you don't have the the information of visually seeing what we're what we're listening to. But to be honest with you, the visuals are a bit complicated to watch anyway. So just try and catch the audio. What we're trying to show you is that whatever's going on in Florida, there's something happening, and we don't know what it is. But we are in a global war of sorts. And when you start to look at the different pieces of what's happening in our country, the surveillance that's going on over our nation, the fight or flight in Florida, now we're going to listen to what's going on in volcanic activity. And about a week ago, there was a lot of volcanic activity, the most he had ever seen. Here he's going to show seven. There were 11 
And what that indicates is that there's there's stuff going on in the earth, right? That it's all tied together. So just just stay with me. We're going to listen to him further about the volcanic activity because oh, the eleventh a week ago were tied to possibly solar activity and there were a bunch of solar flares. And if you remember a show I had several months ago with Dr. Peter Pry, we've talked about EMPs that can come from solar flares and interrupt cyber activity, electronics, and so forth. So we have been seeing some of that as well. So here you go. 11 volcanoes spewing ash yesterday, which is right up there with the record. I don't think I've seen it go higher than that uh, maybe once. But uh, that is a lot of volcanic activity right there, folks. A very uncommon. Normally we see maybe five or six, seven, kind of in that range. Uh, to see 11, uh, that means we're probably getting pelted. That usually is tied to some solar cycle or something weird like that. So, um, But that's okay. We'll just uh, keep an eye on it. But I wanted to pass that along to you. It is just another data point. Uh, but the volcanoes are... Uh, you want to talk about climate changers. Those are definitely going to be something we need to keep our eye on, okay, especially when you get that many spewing. Um, okay. Okay, so the next thing I want him to talk about, we're going to go to um, supply chains, and we're going to talk about what he's seeing happening in the movement of ships, planes, and so forth, that are in, or the lack thereof, that are impacting us on receiving our goods that we need to live every day. Up the bleeding, so to speak, okay? Now, this is what I want to show you. We need to pay close attention to this. Uh, and the reason I say that is we've talked about food shortages coming. Uh, I will tell you, this was not on their radar, okay? When we were talking food shortages, it's been a couple of weeks. They've been pushing it through. Then all of a sudden, China went on lockdown, and now they've been shut down for uh, a week now, I think. They're going into the second week. So they're going to be down for two weeks. People are starving. It is not a good situation. But these boats, the reason I want to point this out, uh, I buried this kind of further in my last sit rep, and I don't know how many people saw it, but I want to bring this forward. I know this is boat traffic, not air traffic. So what you're listening to is his stream, a live streaming from April 15. So what he saw on April 15th at the time of the his broadcast was stagnant ships in the Shanghai area that were it, it's just a massive bottleneck but what he determined is that they weren't moving it wasn't that they were all kind of clogged up and they were taking their turns to get in no they were stagnated here you go but it is going to impact us and we need to pay attention to it okay these are all vessels. The reds are cargo, or sorry, the reds are tankers, oil tankers. The greens are cargo. Uh, this is Shanghai right here. Uh, and I just want to show you, these are parked, friends, all parked. That means the flow of goods around the world right now has stopped. That means production is stopped. Manufacturing is stopped. This right here is going to have an impact that's going to probably stretch out uh, at least six months in terms of uh, empty shelves okay that's going to take us right up to the election and then that's about the time six months is when the food shortages are supposed to be uh expected right that's what they're thinking we probably got about six months till here in the u.s we start to kind of feel that but this is a bow wave that's coming that nobody's really <laughs> expecting so you're going to see this hit 
and then you can see the food shortages hit. This right here is going to impact things like uh, the boxes that your food goes into, right? You can't get stuff on the shelf. We may make all the cereal here in the U.S., but the box comes out of China, uh, and we, we can't get them, right? So that is the kind of thing. And all the other electronics, if you think the, the auto, uh, auto industry was already in deep kimchi, uh, and you waited six months for a car, wait till this wave hits because this means ain't nobody getting car chips at this point, right? Because it all comes out of there. So this is, now that's only Shanghai. And check this out. You get into the port area and you can see there are thousands of boats in here and they're all sitting. Remember, uh, it's going to take them from the time they spool up production manufacturing, they get the stuff pushed out to the docks uh, and they've got to load the crates, right? The big cargo containers. On top of that, then they got to, that's loading the product into those. Then that product gets put onto the boats, which takes, uh, they say that takes a lot of time too. That's not just some quick stack thing, right? Uh, and then it gets shipped out. And so then you've got all of that span from production to shipping just to get to the port. If it gets to LAX or say Long Beach, for example, uh, you got a 17 day, 17 day average wait before it gets in and unloaded. And then there's more time on top of that. And that's if the truckers decide to, uh, cooperate and everybody's getting their stuff and their flow of goods. So this is going to be bad. I'm telling you folks, just brace for it. If you aren't prepared, you need to get prepared. Again, these are boats all sitting. You can see, look like little green M&Ms in here. Uh, look at the stack up. This makes Long Beach look like nothing, right? Um, there are thousands. These are thousands of boats. Uh, and these are big cargo boats. Now, the reds, that's oil. I, I, I find it interesting. They're all sticking together there. Now, that's just Shanghai. Now, you get out to this other city, and look at this. Same thing. These boats are sitting. The ones that are moving are just barely, they're just kind of uh, just repositioning, probably because of currents and things like that. They're really not moving down along places. They're just kind of sitting there. Um, but, uh, you know... Their motors are on, and they're probably doing some little little bit of jockeying and idling because this is a, um, and, you know, they're all on anchors. So anyway, needless to say, that is pretty much what everybody's getting their stuff out of. <laughs> and so not good. All right. I just want to put that up front. Make sure you plan accordingly because I'm telling you this is, it ain't just boxes. It's It's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. All right. So. All right, let's get on over to uh, the flight radar real fast now. I okay, so, so everybody, that gives you a sense of what's going on. And we're going to come back from the break, and I'm going to give you some more information that's updated. So, again, this was his podcast from April 15. So it gives you a sense of a week ago where we were with a complete and utter shutdown of all movement, virtually, of supply chain products out of China. Now, you want to keep in mind that, coincidentally, they had a COVID um, event. However, what you're going to learn from him later is, if that indeed was what was so serious, then why did they continue to let other flight traffic in and out? It doesn't comport. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Success Happens on Free Talk 930 WFMD. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to Success Happens. And I know that this is a little bit of a different show, but I felt it was important to give you guys updates of information that you may not have access to if you're not looking at some of the, these um, content providers. Uh, this is Monkey Works that we've been listening to. And he is an expert 
in understanding and analyzing flight patterns, what is actually in the air. He follows all of these reports and has the data. And so if you go on to YouTube and you search monkey, W-E-R-X, you will find him and you can watch him. And once you have watched several of them, you'll get used to seeing the information he's giving you. But he's showing you on the screen actual images of where the ships are, where the planes are, what kinds of planes they are, where the satellites are, where the volcanoes are, why that's important. So he brings this global perspective to what we're dealing with. But I want to give you a sense that right now we're at war. Right. If you haven't figured that out, we're at war and the war is between the, the is really going to impact you and me from the standpoint of this food supply. Frankly, the chips, if you have a problem with a computer or you want to buy a new computer or you want a TV, all of this is going to be impacted even into our electronics, which is how we live every day, how we exchange information in our businesses, how we process our sales in our retail shops, how we buy goods and services. So there's also been uh, some noise about some cyber um, hacking and activity and things. So we'll get to that in a minute. I want to play the next. This is this week's show from Monkey Works. April 22nd, what he calls his sit rep update. Here you go. All right, let's get over here to our stagnant supply chain problems. It does look like I see some movement here, which is good news. Uh, but I will tell you, they're on week three of the lockdown over here in Shanghai. And that these boats out here, now they do stage boats out here because what they, what they have is uh, the port in Shanghai is super duper tight. Um, and so uh, they send these guys out here that are, I guess they're called hover captains or something like that. And they basically take control of the ship and they bring the ships in. So they do do some staging out in this general area uh, to bring them into the port of Shanghai. You've got about 50 cranes in here. That's one of the most state-of-the-art deep well uh, ports in the world uh, and the busiest port, number one port in the world in terms of busyness. Uh, but then when you start to look at the, uh, the extra stuff in here, there are probably about 10x what they normally have. You do get some staging out here, like I said, uh, but it, uh, this is way more than it usually has. Now, I do see some traffic flowing in and out right now, which looks to be good news um, because the longer this continues on, the worse it is for the rest of the world. Uh, we get down south here, you can see it is slammed in terms of stuff sitting. The round circles are they're, they're anchored or moored. They're, they're not moving. Okay, so when you see, normally you see a lot of arrows of different colors, right? The reds are going to be tankers. Uh, greens are going to be uh, cargo ships. Okay, one cargo ship uh, average is about 3,000 containers. Uh, if it gets into the port and it gets unloaded and reloaded, uh, it takes about uh, 24 hours for them to do one ship in and out of the port. Okay. Kind of give you a general idea of the span, uh, but you can see all this stuff is sitting. There's nothing really moving in and out. You get a little bit of movement here along this way, which is good. That's good. That's a good sign. But um, uh, the damage is done. And uh, remember, too, they still got to spool up manufacturing and production and everything else. But uh, again, a lot of stuff still sitting, which is not good. Okay. You're listening to Monkey Works, and he's explaining supply chain issues that are impacting us globally because so much goes in and out of this number one port in Shanghai. 
Um, and he says that they've eased up a bit, but there's still a rolling down the hill impact around the world for our food supplies. St- keep listening. Hey, that's going to impact us big time and the rest of the world big time. Okay. All right. Now look at the Atlas Air Flights just so you can see the flow of goods still moving. Uh, you can see this is a pretty steady flow, 767 300s, 777s, and 747s. Those are your big jumbo jets. Uh, the reason you see so much traffic flowing back and forth is because uh, nothing's flowing on the boats. So they have to move it via air, which drives the cost up tremendously. Uh, that's going to be Atlas Air. And then this, of course, is Coletta Air doing the same thing, flying into the same same routes and everything else. So um, we'll just continue to watch that. You're probably going to see this on the uptick and on that level for a while now, okay? So, um, again, we'll just keep our eye on it. Now, keep in mind, too, these guys do. Atlas and Coletta also move troops, uh, a lot of troops, all right? And so uh, when you see them going into Europe, more than likely they're probably moving some troop assets, okay? All right, now, this is what tells you that the whole lockdown thing is a load of rubbish, okay? Uh, because... You can lock down a city all you want, but if you're still allowing countries to fly in and out. Now, this is the this is the flight board going in out in and out of Shanghai. So what he's showing us on the screen is an, an image of all the massive number of flights going in and out of their airports. So if indeed the supply chain issue was because of covid, then they wouldn't have had all of these flights going in and out. Stay, stay tuned and listen through this. Uh, international, all right? And so if you've got flights coming in and out from around the world still into your country, there's no way on God's green earth you're going to lock down any kind of virus. Uh, as long as you have air travel, you've got the spread of any virus, okay? So just goes to show you, if they were really serious about locking down, that board would be blank, my friends. Okay, you heard it here. You're listening to Success Happens. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now. And KW Photography and Design has done some nice graphic work for me. I also want to thank Flamingo Pool Supplies. And we'll be right back. Does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. Free Talk, 930 WFMD. Welcome back. Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen, and uh, we have a caller to help tie this to how's it impact you and me in this local region. And I had uh, the opportunity to get connected to Colby Ferguson with the Maryland Farm Bureau, and he is the state Farm Bureau political director and can talk about this. And I had him listen <laughs> all the way from Iowa. He's in the fields of Iowa. And so good morning, Colby. Welcome to Success Happens. Uh, thank you very much. It's great to have you with us. And thank you for making time in your morning at, at the last minute to give us your perspective. I, you know, everybody, we have so much to be concerned about, but we also have so much to be grateful for. And one of those things is is all our farmers here locally. We grow wonderful uh, crops and we have wonderful local foods, meats, and so forth. And so we thank you and your fellow farmers for all that you do to feed us. And uh, 
what I wanted to ask you first, Colby, perhaps you could give us maybe a little background on the Farm Bureau and what you all do. Sure. Uh, so uh, I work at Maryland Farm Bureau, but I live in I live in Frederick County and a member of the Frederick County Farm Bureau. Um, and uh, basically, it's a county county by county membership uh, for farmers and uh, people that support agriculture. And our primary focus is to be the voice of agriculture, uh, to you know protect and preserve agriculture and our rural way of life. And uh, we do that at the local level, uh, at the state level during the legislative process, and then at the national level through our American Farm Bureau uh, representatives in D.C. So, you know, at some point I'll have you on. We'll, we'll do a whole show. There's so much there to cover, and I really appreciate the great work that you all do. Specifically this morning, we've been talking about our concerns about a global food supply uh, crisis that we are being, you know, told could be coming our way within the next three to six months. Already we're seeing the the cost of goods for food skyrocketing. We heard from Monkey Works that part of that is the cost of transportation, either gas, fuel, or, you know, if, if you have to move it off the ships because the ships aren't moving, then you have to go to air and that costs more. So there's a, this, a lot of impact. How does this uh, supply chain issue affect our local farmers because we're going to look to you guys to fill the shelves locally if we can't get it from China. Well, it's you know it's like uh, you know, we've already seen this this uh, play over the last two years with the whole pandemic uh, issues and the, and the shutdown and the bottlenecks and the, the lack of movement of, of goods and services. So. It's just like rinse and repeat here. It's like Groundhog Day all over again, and and uh, but it's at a for a different circumstance. Uh, the, before it was COVID shutdowns, and now it's now it's uh, wars in Russia and Ukraine. It's uh, avian imp- high pathogen high pathogen avian influenza um, across the, the flyway, whether it's Midwest flyway or Eastern Shore fly, flyway, uh, and then compound that with uh, fuel prices that are as high as it's been since I've lived in Maryland. And, um, you know, so you compi- compound all that together, and then you start to shut down ports, uh, particularly in China, where you're, you know, the vast majority of goods come out of. Uh, lots of, you know, we send a lot of raw product over there, and it comes back in finished materials, whether it be computer chips or, or uh, equipment or like you said, goods and services that box our food and things like that. So it's unfortunately, it's not an easy fix that you know, not an easy thing to pinpoint. And that's why it's going to be an issue for this is not a six month deal. This is just the start of it. And we'll see this for probably at least a year or so um, that we'll see the rippling. So now you go to try to buy eggs, it's going to be extremely expensive. Well, and we've already seen the cost of milk is golly. I think it's up at least 50 percent, maybe, uh, maybe 25 percent. But it's definitely rising rapidly, cost of eggs even locally. But, you know, when you talk about raw goods going across to China, they turn it around, they package it, they finish it, they send it back. One of those things is raw meat. It's my understanding that one of the companies, one of the sausage companies, was purchased, Smithfield, that's what, I just pulled it up in my brain, Smithfield 
actually is owned, I believe, by an Asian company so that they are in China. So they're shipping our hog meat over there. They're processing it, packaging it, finishing it, and shipping it back to us. I, I have trouble understanding how that's cost-effective, let alone well, safe for our, a, Yeah, go ahead. Right. It's try, not a lot of that is being done where we're actually having uh, meat uh, being shipped back and forth. But they, they do. Uh, China does own Smithfield. Uh, actually, of the big, the big five, which would be your big meat, five meat processing uh, facilities, uh, centers or companies, uh, three of the five are owned by foreign uh, countries. And so, yeah, that that's to me that's a very alarming thing to see as well that uh, other countries own our meat supply. But uh, but yeah, you've you've kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, we're roll, getting ready to roll into planting crop planting, whether it be corn or soybeans or vegetables or um, what what not. And the price of fertilizer alone for nitrogen fertilizer this time last year was rough a little under two hundred dollars a ton. And it's running about $900 a ton right now. So uh, it takes about a pound of nitrogen to grow a bushel of corn. So you just do the math. You're, you quadruple your cost. Um, that's going to take a lot of lot of value out of, the, uh, out of what you can make on your corn. So the prices are going to have to go up. And okay, the price so of corn goes up, then the price of meat goes up. Colby, I'll, I'll tell you, I have a feeble math mind. But when I just processed that number... <laughs> It went from 400 to $900. No, you said $200 to $900. That's 450% increase in the cost of what you need to do your... So how are these... To grow a crop. That's that's shocking. That it is... Everybody talks about the uh, inflation and the foods being up 6%, 12%. Well, the cost to do, to, to grow food to cost to put the products in the in the ground with the cost of fuel and and the cost of fertilizer and all that we're seeing 200 to 400 to 500 percent increase in the cost of goods so that's why i'm saying that it's we're just we're at the tip of the iceberg it's kind of we're going to see we're going to see really high prices on stuff and things will be difficult to get a hold of just because it's going to be more difficult to grow so how do we, I mean, back to President Trump, who said, we got to bring our supply chains back home. We knew this two, three, four years ago. Now it, it, it's coming home to roost. So how do we pull, and this may be outside your lane, but, you know, it's, I, I said it maybe as, a, as something to think about for all our listeners. How do we as Americans pull that process that control and that production back to U.S. So we're not relying on, frankly, our enemies to supply us with the very things we need to eat. Well, I mean, it's not it, well, it's not an easy process. I'll just give you one one example. Uh, we looked into what it would be if we wanted to start making our own nitrogen fertilizer here in the United States to, to not have to, to source it out of Russia or, or uh, some of the other foreign countries. Uh, it would take seven years to set the infrastructure up to switch from buying it from off, out, of, out of the country to start making it in the United States. So even if we started drilling more wells and putting pipelines and all that, just to get the infrastructure in place to start doing that again is roughly seven years. So that's not an option. So we are, we, you know, unfortunately, we're at the mercy that 
got to hope this Russian war gets over pretty quick and we can get things settled down in, in that area um, and, and open those trades back up because, you know, we're, we're basically – Europe is in trouble because they, they're closely tied to, to Russia. And so it's, it's just pinching everybody because they're having to go – you know, we have competitors for products now that we didn't have before because they're, they've shut Russia down. Well, and my the other thought, I'm going to go back to what you said about the seven years, because, you know, one of the things I think we don't do well in U.S. is we're very instant. My father always calls it instant gratification oriented, you know, and, uh, you know, people in China, they're very patient. You know, they plan hundreds of years in advance. <laughs> so, so. You know, seven years, in, you know, if you think back, goes by awfully quickly, especially as the older we get. But, you know, would you even get the EPA to cooperate? You know, when you look at making some of these changes that we need to do in the infrastructure, whether it's to create the, the fertilizer or it's to process meat locally instead of ship it to China, I can't believe that's cost effective. But whether or not so oftentimes what we're dealing with is the blocks that are presented to us or put in place uh, against the business communities by the EPA do you see that as an issue yeah there's a lot of conflicting you know a lot of conflicting things within this this administration we've got in right now you know they're very climate friendly and trying pushing a lot of climate change there's a lot of uh, executive order uh, material that was put out during earth day yesterday and and um you know and so there's a lot of movement to push away from from you know a lot of the industry that would need to be here to do the, a lot of manufacturing uh due to climate issues um so when you've got that push pull going on and then you look at some of the other components that uh you know Biggest one, that biggest red flag for me is that there's only 2% of the U.S. population that's in farming, that's in agriculture. So if only 2% of our population is growing the food for, for the other 98%, it's, it's all about economies of scale because I can grow for myself and my family, but then I'm asked to grow for 144 other people. So that's, that's where your biggest issue is, is that we just don't have enough people growing food. Uh, in this country and everybody's relying on what little farmers there are in the country and then, then, you know, subsidizing that with everything that's grown around the world. Well, on that note, I think, you know, I would love to have you back and we'll, we'll certainly keep in touch and, and make that happen. I think that right now people realize if you've got a little plot of land wherever you are or you've got a patio where you can put a pot with a tomato plant in it, do it. If you have the ability to grow some of your own, um, you know, vegetables and things to supplement the great food being given to us by our local uh, agricultural community, then you should do that. Because part of what we're going to have to deal with is we're all going to have to figure out how to shift our habits and our lifestyle to accommodate some of the massive issues coming at us because 450% increase in a cost of goods for something that grows food translates to food is going to skyrocket what we are seeing now won't touch the cost that we're going to be looking at within six months to a year so you've got to be prepared uh final comments colby i would say you, you hit the nail on the head and what i would recommend you know we're coming into the spring and then 
we'll have a bountiful summer when you know, when you know vegetables will be plentiful through farmers markets, through local sources, through local farm stands and things like that. <clears throat> the, the thing to take advantage of is to go out, purchase you know corn, sweet corn, purchase green beans, per, purchase your different uh, fr- uh, vegetables and uh, can and freeze a lot of that material, a lot of those vegetables, put them in the freezer because as soon as, uh, soon as fall gets here, all that fresh fruit and vegetables won't be grown in Maryland. But if you could store that away, you'll have enough to get you through the winter to try to do that again next, uh, next spring. And then to take advantage of when we're growing it here locally and then store it away so you when, when we don't. That would be the best advantage and be the cheapest way to go. That's great advice. We'll end on a positive note, Colby. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Enjoy your trip. We'll have you back here on Success Happens. Thank you so much. Everybody, you're listening to Success Happens on Free Talk 930 WFMD. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now fresh homemade ice cream, and we're hiring. So give us a call if you have a young person who's looking for a great first job. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen. And so that was Colby Ferguson with the Maryland Farm Bureau. And that was incredibly informative. And I think he gave us great advice about growing some of our own foods and things. But, you know, when you go back to what he said about the policies of this administration, once again, we all care about our climate. I love to go to a nice clean ocean. I love to go boating on the Chesapeake Bay. I love the fish out of the Chesapeake Bay. I don't want them poisoned and toxic. We all care about the environment. However, you cannot use that as a tool or an excuse to force overregulation on industries that put us at international security risk with our adversaries like the Chinese Communist Party. Look, China people are wonderful. The CCP who's running things, not so much. So we have to get control back. And one of the ways that we do that is through the election process and electing the right people to be in Annapolis or Richmond or Washington, D.C. or Harrisburg. We have to have the right people running our local, state, and national governments so that they don't do crazy things that put us at risk and put us, frankly, in the position that we're in right now. And you cannot blame all of this on Ukraine because the Ukraine-Russia thing is a very complicated matter, and we're not going to cover it today. So the policies of this administration started with Day one, he shut down the pipeline and he restricted our fuel. By doing that, everybody was affected and it rolls out over time. Now, here we are dealing with preparing for the 2022 election to make sure that it's fair. I still think 2020 was stolen and I'll keep saying that because I think we we don't, you know, there's been a lot to um, stuff the truth on that. But um, I have with me this morning my father, who's going to give us a quick update on election integrity. And next week's show is going to be on election integrity, everyone. So please tune in next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Good morning, Dad. Great to have you here with me. Well, good morning. 
Okay, so let's give everybody a quick update because you've been working on election integrity. What have you uh, learned recently that would be kind of an update? Well, election integrity is a big, big subject, just like the subject you just covered. It it's quite similar. It as you say, it it isn't going to take one one session, one show. This is a real big problem. Now, uh, I happen to have attended a, a meeting of Mike Corrigan's across the aisle group yes last night, and that subject came up again. And the subject has has piqued my attention. Uh, so, so what have you learned, Dad, recently about election integrity? Because I know that Robin Sachs has done quite a bit of work with her Maryland uh, integrity group. What, where are we right now? Are you looking back on 2020 or are you looking forward to 22? Well, it, it's like the supply chain. It all links together. You can't understand where we are today on election integrity unless you know what the history is and, more importantly, how the election system is controlled to give you integrity. Now, you think counting votes and controlling votes is a simple thing. Well, it really isn't. It's very, very complicated. And I understand that the election board is hiring right now. They're very short on election judges. So anybody who wants a quick job, it's a tough job, you can get into that. But the problem with integrity is it involves control and audit of things that go wrong. Murphy's Law is big in, in, in the election process. For example, there are eyewitnesses, and one just came, surfaced last week that I learned about that actually saw stuffing of one of the ballot boxes. And what did she see specifically? She saw some guy come up and dump a couple of hundred ballots into the box. And she watched it. And this lady happened to be an election judge just by coincidence. Now, how much more is there out there? So this raises the question, what control in Frederick County does the election board exercise over such a process. How can it happen? Now, there are eight collection. In the last election, there were eight remote collection boxes. And it's, as an old auditor, the first thing I think about is, what is the control over such an event? That's a criminal event. How many other times did it happen? Well, well, but it's it's only it may be criminal, but if they don't get prosecuted, it's a big so what. Well, you don't even know about it. And so it's also I learned last week that they have surveillance cameras. Who looks at them? I would bet nobody. Well, ever is looks anybody at them. is anybody going to look at the guy who stuffed a couple hundred when that gal watched? Or do well, you have I I'm I'm activating our foundation to look into this question, and I intend to ask the board of this question. How many 
uh, of these video cameras does anybody ever look at? And what is the control process over such an event happening? Now, at this meeting last night, I asked a guy sitting next to me who used to be a, a judge, what control was there? And he says, oh, it's perfect. Oh, okay. Well, according to you, some people have seen things happening that it's not so perfect. We're going to cover all of this next week. So next Saturday morning, everybody, join us for Success Happens on Election Integrity. I've got some calls out. We're going to have some very informative uh, information to provide you. But also, if you see something, say something. We have to hold our election boards to account across the state, across the country, so that they have to operate uh, to secure and protect our vote. Our most sacred right as a patriot, as an American, is to vote and to vote who we choose for our leadership, not who's imposed upon us by a crooked system. That's third world country nonsense, and we can't have it here. So you're listening to Success Happens. Have a great week. Dad will be back with us next Saturday morning to talk further about election integrity. And uh, we'll see you next Saturday morning, 9 a.m., right here on Free Talk 930 WFMD. 